It's the Breakcast. Breakcast. The PopBreak.com. Breakcast. Breakcast. Listen to the show. Because you're in for the PopBreak.com. Breakcast. Breakcast. Oh, Hi everyone, this is Marissa Carpico. I am the film editor at thepopbreak.com. I am here with our TV editor, Matt Taylor. Say hello, Matt. Hey guys. Um, and we are going to talk about uh, award season stuff again. Uh, we're, we're coming back more often, guys. Be ready. Every two weeks or so, we're going we're gonna to come into your, your homes and speak to you about the Oscars. Um, so we're going to talk about a couple things today. Uh, Matt and I split up this weekend's um, sort of awardsy uh, movies. I saw Colette, and he saw The Sisters Brothers, and then we're going to give you guys um, an overview of what Matt saw at TIFF, and then talk about a few other things, and uh, that'll be uh, the episode for the week. Um, so, Matt, you and I talked about um, seeing something this weekend, but you had to... Uh, learn about birds. <laughs> um, I sell bird books. Yes, yes, that, yes. that is my other job, <laughs> yeah. uh, amongst other things. Yes, and spent the weekend with some good birds. Yeah, um, and I just watched movies at home, um, and we split up the two things w- that we would have seen together: uh, Colette and Sisters Brothers. Um, uh, how about you talk about Sisters Brothers? What do you think of it? Uh, should I see it? Should everybody see it? Yeah. So the Sisters Brothers is interesting because. It is this. It is a western starring Joaquin Phoenix, John C. Riley, Jake Lindenhall, and Riz Ahmed. So four really talented, um, promising, or in Riz Ahmed's case, promising. The rest of them are all <laughs> yeah, well established. Um, and it's um, Joaquin Phoenix and John C. Riley play two brothers, the titular sisters brothers, yeah. uh, who are bounty hunters, and they're on the trail of this prospector, played by Riz Ahmed, who has this discovered this strange formula that, that can help people get gold more easily. And um, John C. Riley's character is becoming less and less enthusiastic about the life of a bounty hunter and kind of wants to quit. And Akeen Phoenix is really, really invested in the lifestyle and he's very self-destructive. And um, my main takeaway with the movie is that it's it's very fine. Mm. Like it's, it's such a peculiar movie because there's nothing wrong with it Watching it, it was very entertaining for what it was, and I enjoyed it. The performances are all good. But, like, I can't help but think when you have four really great actors involved, it should be a little better. And I'm like, I, I've been actually weighing all weekend, and that's a fair criticism of a movie, to just be like, oh, this movie should have been better given the talent involved, or if it, the fact that there's nothing exactly wrong with it um, makes it... Okay, I, I really do think your mileage with it will go based on how much you enjoy westerns, um, specifically a very macho, um, like angsty male western, which I know is like a, becoming sort of a more hit or miss genre as of late. Yeah. Um, you know the performances are all really good. It's very it's it's two hours, but it feels very tight and well edited for two hours. Mm-hmm. Carol Kane shows up for less oh. than five. And it's it's a nice little I don't I guess cameo. I feel like m- most of her part must have ended up on the cutting room floor because when she shows up, it is very random, and my whole theater was just like, oh wow, like 
it's Carol Kane. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's okay. I do not think it has any Oscar mileage whatsoever. All right. Like, maybe costumes or sets, but there's just, this year, I think, based on the film festival buzz, I don't know if, if you feel this, Marissa, every movie seems to be delivering on the hype. Oh, yeah. And obviously some will die down as the general public sees them. Like, three three billboards was raved about, and then by the time the Oscars came around, it was kind of forgotten. Yeah. Um, but, like, I don't know. I feel like the, a movie that starts off with buzz so minimal won't have the um, legs to make it to the Oscars. Yeah, I think, I think that's probably correct. I mean, it, it didn't... The buzz, uh, or the the reviews when it came out were really fair to middling at best, you know? Um, so I, I think, yeah, I think you're totally spot on. I mean, I didn't see it, obviously, um, and I, but I trust you implicitly. Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to have much, because I don't know anyone else who was excited. I was, frankly, excited when you wanted to see it. I, when we were splitting up the two movies, I was like, well, we're both going to want to see Colette, obviously. And then, <laughs> and then you were like, I kind of want to see the other one. I was like, great, going to take advantage of that mistake. Um, <laughs> I, it was, I feel like it was a mistake. I feel it was a mistake. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you're right, though, about, um, you know, a movie can just be fine or whatever. Um, but it's disappointing when it's like um, there's so much going for it. Not, I, I'm going to talk about Colette in a minute, but that's how I felt about uh, Lizzie, which I was hoping for something, you know, um, anything for Kristen Stewart, really, like for her to get the awards attention here that she's gotten in France, for instance. Um, and, and I saw that at a, uh, for I got a, I got a link to that to watch in my own home, which is really what I want. Um, so I sat down, you know, ready to watch what seems like a great concept, which is Kristen Stewart and Chloe Sevigny as, as, you know, lesbian murderesses. And, uh, God, it's, it's boring as hell. It's like watching paint dry. Um, it's like decently directed, but not, but he clearly doesn't have any gift with actors because the two of them are fine in it, but they seemed a little lost. Um, and I don't know if, if that you felt that way about, um, sisters brothers like for lizzie they were both good at what they were doing but they both felt a too modern and b like not more passionate than the actual film they were in like the writing is very bad on lizzie where we all know this is going to lead to a murder and and it all builds up to that murder and then instead of breaking that tension finally with that with showing us the murder they hold it off even longer and show the trial first which is bizarre, and then they go backwards to tell us about the murder, and then base, and then sort of use it as this thing where it's like, well, this is why their their relationship as as lesbian murder murderesses won't work. And I'm like, yeah, we don't need to know. Like, obviously, killing someone would fuck up your romance. Like, we don't. That's not a shock. Why didn't we? Why did we have to wait 15 more minutes for this? Um, but yeah, the two of them are very good in it. Like they like they both li- literally get um, fully nude for the murder scenes. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it's shocking. And I knew it was coming because I think I'd read something about it or saw an interview. Um, and I wish I hadn't because it was it was it it would have been even more shocking. But it's really, like, they just fully get naked and they're covered in blood and it's like, oh, my God. And it it's really a, a really good scene, but it the they pierce the tension by then by delaying it. So it's a, it's a weirdly directed film and... 
I think it's not as good as its actors. How was the is that the same kind of problem with Sisters Brothers, or is it are there more things wrong with it? I think with the Sisters Brothers, the problem is that the actors are all giving performances we know they could, they that they can give. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like no one in it, even Rizamed, who's relatively new, yeah, is giving a surprising performance here. Especially like Keen Phoenix. I love Keen Phoenix. I think he's one of my like the best working actors, but. He's one of those actors who's very good at a specific thing, mm-hmm. and when he's not working with incredible material, it could feel very by the numbers. Yeah. And he's just, like, angry Hakeem here, and that works in some movies. Like, The Master, it's incredible. And then here it's like, oh, like, you know, it's it's by the numbers. John C. Riley also, I, we, we've, I think with all the comedies he's done, it's very easy to forget that John C. Riley has given some excellent dramatic performances. Yeah. But... This just felt very much like his '90s indie movie work, which is not bad, and it was it was in a way a nice breath of fresh air. But mm-hmm. um, it it didn't feel like anything new. Yeah, um, that's a shame. It, it was it was just um, I don't know where the blame lies for. I, I guess <laughs> maybe just the the story's not anything special, but it's yeah. the the actors all do their best. I mean, Jake Lindenhall's good. Every, everyone's good. Yeah, Carol. In, Makes the most of those five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Sometimes it's frustrating when there's like nothing particularly wrong with the film. It's just not very good. You know, it, it's yeah. it's t- it, that's always the kind of film I find hard to review or like tell people about. Like I, I feel a little bit that way about Lizzie. I mean, I I had a couple days to think about it after I saw it to like you know mourn my sadness that it wasn't better. Um, and, and there's just, like, so many things that don't quite work about it that it, I don't know. Like, the only thing I could eventually come to was just, like, well, that story structure's real bad. But, yeah, it's tough sometimes when it's just, like, everything, there are all the pieces, and then it just doesn't work. But it, it's, it speaks to how, I don't know, tough filmmaking is, in a way. Um, the actors aren't just the... A ticket to a great movie. Yeah, right. Like, you know, actors are great, and, and a great actor can can be great, but, you know, sometimes you need a really good director and a really good story. It's you, you got to have all the elements, realistically. Um, uh, but back to Colette, which I totally, you know, was have been keeping from everyone. Um, I love the hell out of it. I was uh, really impressed. Uh, for those who don't know, it's Keira Knightley and um, Dominic West as... Um, people in the, the late 1800s of France. Um, and he is the person, he's a famous writer named Willie. That's not his like real name in French. There's no Willies in French. Um, <laughs> but it's just like his nickname that he for some reason uses in the salons in Paris. Um, and he marries her when she's just like a lowly farm girl with um, pigtails and a nice yellow dress. And then she eventually becomes his ghostwriter because he he's a famous writer, but he actually doesn't really do much of his own writing. He has like a team of ghostwriters who writes for him, and then he puts his name on it. Um, so she starts writing these short stories about, um, or not short stories. She writes a novel about her childhood, essentially. Um, and there's there's undertones of of um, lesbianism <laughs> with her school friends and all this stuff, and then all of a sudden it becomes the the Toast of Paris. And these are the Claudine books, um, if anybody's read them. I actually haven't read them, but I I do want to read them now. Um, There's a number of them, um, because they wrote a series. They were a runaway hit, especially among uh, women at the time, who were not reading a ton necessarily. Um, 
I mean, they wrote, not women have read novels forever, and they put push novels forever. But that was uh, he, he didn't even print it for a couple of years because Willie thought that no one would read it, but didn't realize that women would read it. Anyway, Kira Knightley plays uh, Claudine or Cla- Colette. Um, her that's her last name actually, but she decides to use that as her name to sort of separate herself from Willie and keep a, a memory of her young self. Um, and once they become the Toast of Paris, it becomes this insane um, marriage story, essentially, where they are, they're both libertines. Um, at one point, this debutante from Louisiana shows up and they both have an affair with her separately. Like, not, it's not like a threesome situation. They, like, Kira Knightley's character visits her in the daytime <laughs> and, and Dominic West comes comes to the house at night. my favorite kind of subplots, to be honest. Oh. I think movies should do that. <laughs> it's ravishing. I loved it. Um, yeah, and this, the, it's this, you know, this actress shows up for just a couple scenes just to be this woman they both have an affair with. Uh, it's fantastic. And it's this really surprisingly, like, bisexual, you know, story, but also there's a, eventually Kira Knightley's character falls in love with a trans trans man. Um, bef- and like before that they even had the language for it but they very smartly used the right kind of language like um, Kira Knightley's character is always calling him he and then the, her husband who's jealous always calls him her just to and, it, and it's all about their characters it's like it's not like you know when you watched um, did you see the Danish girl Matt? Oh, I did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that that was a disaster. Um, this is much smarter than that. Like, it, it puts on some modern stuff into a period setting, even though it probably wasn't accurate. It, it doesn't... Good. I wish more movies did that. Yeah, they should. I, who cares, right? Like, this is all fucking fan fiction anyway, <laughs> in some ways. <laughs> you know, like, let's, come on. Um, but yeah, it's it's really... And it doesn't, like, make a huge deal about it. Like, Keira Knightley just, like, makes out with every woman she finds, and she, her clothing gets sort of s- slowly more masculine, and she becomes more androgynous in a way that I... I guess has always been there in her her looks, but I never um, thought about. I guess. Kira Knightley can rock a pantsuit oh. like no one else. To be honest, she, every I time she... the war show she did wear a pantsuit too. But I remember my friends and I were like sending pictures of it. <laughs> like that's what we're just like, look at how good she looks, bro. You're gonna be like passed out during this film. The costuming in it is absolutely incredible because it's it not only like is a sign of the times and is very sumptuous, but it tracks her journey to self-discovery in a way like she's a farm girl at first and the first society event she goes to she wears her farm girl dress and she's deeply embarrassed which you know is something we've seen before in movies but and then she slowly sort of like lets go of that femininity and that and sort of gets more masculine but not but it's still like like eminently womanly it's incredible and then at one point she does a a Cleopatra type seduction dance at the Moulin Rouge. And I think, I mean, this, I don't, I don't know if this all happened, but I'm going to just pretend it all happened in real life. Um, but it's phenomenal. Um, the costuming is wonderful. The sets are great. Kira is delightful. I've been in love with Kira Knightley since the first Pirates of the Caribbean in like 2003 or whatever that was. Um, she's so good. And Hollywood has not figured out how to use her yet. No. Except for costume dramas. She can only do period dramas for them. They don't know what else to do with her in a modern setting. But there is something like, I don't know some, something about her that feels old old timey. I I don't know. It's tough. Perfect for those parts, but I just wish she got better contemporary dramas. Yeah. Because I mean, the only one I can think of is Domino, which is a train wreck. Oh, a disaster. And 
Yeah, and, and she's, I'm sure she did others, but I can't place them now. She's fine in her part in Love Actually, but she's just an object, oh, yeah. so it's tough. Um, yeah. But she's very lovely in that, um, which was her thing at the time. I mean, that was like her s- second big movie, realistically. She was yeah, like, her first movies were just like, oh, it's Keira Knightley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of the thing. Is when they put her in a modern thing, they're just like, oh, Keira Knightley, we love her. Um, and it's, I mean, I can't argue with it, but I, I would like to. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's really, I think it's a really wonderful performance because I think when she was younger, I mean, I think uh, she's 19 or something when they filmed uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, which is fucking bonkers, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, like, we've been watching her grow up, you know what I mean? Um, although she, I've aged about 20 years and she looks the same. I don't know what happened there. Yeah, um, I was just thinking, I'm like, wow, I was in third grade when Pirates of the Caribbean came out, yeah. and I feel like, like she hasn't aged a day, and then I'm a gross old man now. Yeah, I feel that way about her and Jennifer Garner. Like, I, I've definitely aged like a, like, a, like a rotting piece of meat, and they look like the same age as when I met them, essentially. I don't know what happened there. But, um, yeah, like, she, she sort of, when she was in her younger roles, she used to have this sort of nervous energy that really worked for her because it was like when, when let's take, let's take something like Pride and Prejudice when she's Lizzie Bennet and she's screaming at um, Fitz in the rain. What's his real name? Um, Mr. Darcy. Bad. Yeah, I was, I was going to call him Mr. Fitzwilliam, but it's, we're, I don't know him. We're not familiar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Darcy in the rain and she's sort of like, all this rage is making her like shaky and nervous. And she used to have that sort of nervous energy in all of her stuff. But as she's matured, that sort of disappeared, you know? Um, I think she's just become more confident. And also she's playing older women, so it makes sense. But in this movie, she has to basically play like a 17-year-old or something, maybe younger. Um, and she somehow recreates that same energy she had when she was a young woman and then slowly eliminates it as the movie goes on. And it's such an impressive thing to do. Like, not only to have the self-awareness of, like, that works for this character and this was also who I was, but now I'm not that. And to see that her track not only into a more confident woman, but a, a more conf- or conf- confident character, but also a more confident actress through the role is is really fine work. I was very impressed by it. Um, and it's just a really enjoyable film. Now, now I'm very upset I didn't see it. You should see it. I mean, I'd see it again. I'd pay for that. I would pay for the privilege to watch a, Keira Knightley make out with a number of women. And men. Oh, that sounds like a dream, to be honest. I, I, I will make sure I see it. <laughs> yeah, the, at the end of it, I kept thinking, like... Do you think like, it has Oscar chances? Um, I think she should, but I... It was... I, well, I did see it at 9 in the morning or something. No, I said at 10 a.m on a Saturday, and there were, like, a handful of people in there. I hope it did better in the daytime, but I'm not sure if anyone's seeing it. And um, I, I liked the trailer, but I don't know if the trailer works for everyone. Like, I, I you know, I, I could see where it'd be. It would just not be that appealing to most people. Do, do you know what I mean? If the trailer doesn't work for me for you, then you're not going to go to a theater and see it. Like, there hasn't been a lot of marketing for it, so I don't know. I think it, it's, it has a possibility to disappear, which I think is a shame because it – it's like progressive and isn't really like preachy about it. It's just like these people just are who they are. Um, even if it does, I will say it does feel maybe a little false for society to just like fully accept the fact. Like she, she literally writes a book called um, 
Claudine Amenage, which is, you know, basically talks about the, the affair that her and her husband have with the same woman. Um, and this is like 1893 Paris. And I'm sure 1893 Paris was insane. But I don't know. It, it, nobody seems to care that much. Um, and it only makes them more famous. So I don't know. I, I, like it, I, I think it might take place in a fantasy world, but it's a fantasy world I want to live in. Yeah, I'm fine with, with those liberties. Like, it's like if, no, if it's not like rewriting world history, I really don't care. Right, like Napoleon didn't, you know, <laughs> it doesn't show up during it. Yeah, I don't, it's, it's, I, it works very well for me. I, I, I mean, I think she should get some attention, but I, I, don't, I don't know if they're marketing it or really pushing her a campaign for her, so I don't think it'll happen. But it's one of the better performances I've seen this year. Like, I would rather watch that than um, The Wife. You know, that's true. I feel like I feel like with most with most movies, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, poor Glenn Close. I know. Yeah. It's just like not gonna happen for her. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think everybody should see it though. I, I thought it was really enjoyable and really lush and beautiful. You know, and the score is fucking incredible. I have I forgot to look up who did it, but the score is gorgeous. It was like, it's sumptuous, man. <laughs> There's just no other word. All my boxes. I. Me to go see this movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was like, I really was like, I can't believe I didn't have to convince him to let me see the good one. Um, <laughs> they fooled me. Hakeem Phoenix. We had to blame. Yep. This, this weekend has been basically about how Hakeem Phoenix is fucking me over. Between Sister Brothers being just okay, and now I have to go see a fucking Joker movie with him. I'm so angry about that. I can't even uh, speak. It looks so bad. I'm so, and now I see all these like people on Twitter like, Wow, this one still image of him has really changed my mind on it. And I'm like, it's the director of The Hangover. Like, yeah. it's not going to be good people. Yeah, like, you know why they think that? Because they didn't sit through The Hangover 3. You know who did? This bitch. <laughs> I didn't even I saw one and I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> like, it's like, that is enough Hangover for yeah. me. Yeah, I didn't even really like the first one that much. I thought the credit sequence was the best part about it, which is not the compliment you want to give a film. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I think okay. people are nuts. They're, they're drinking the Kool-Aid. Everybody's on Joker gas right now. I don't understand it. Um, we'll have to talk about that ne- at next year's Oscar podcast. I will, I will, I will quit. Bros force us to talk about Hakeem Phoenix being a Best Actor nominee. Not yeah. Me. Somebody said, I remember Dan said to me at one point, Cohen, our former film editor, said, like, you don't want to see that? I'm like, no, I'd rather see a good movie. What are you talking about? Like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard. Um, anyway, we'll shit on the Joker movie in a year. Um, yes. Look more, forward to it. Yeah, look forward to that, everybody. <laughs> um, more importantly, let's talk about uh, Toronto. Uh, you went uh, this year. You, you go every year, right? This is my third year going. Okay. I really love it. And for the first time ever, it I couldn't get someone to go with me. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to sit it out. And then I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to go by myself. Yeah. And I did a four-day weekend by myself. And it was my... Eat, pray, love moment, and I felt like it. and it was awesome. <laughs> That's really great. I feel like I might go next year because it's not an election year, and I want to see some movies. I was heinously jealous of you. It is an awesome experience. I really do have to say, all jokes aside, it is a pretty easy film festival to attend. They make it very um, user friendly, mm-hmm. and it's not too expensive. I mean, like obviously, cost is relative, but. I managed to score a really nice flight and hotel deal um, for un- for like well under a thousand for a four day weekend, and then tickets are pretty cheap. So yeah. I do think it's something that it, it is doable. Toronto is also a very cheap city. It's basically centered around a bunch of colleges, so you're fine. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, so you have a list of things you saw. Uh, why don't you tell everybody what you liked, what you didn't like, you know, just a general overview of the things you saw. Yeah, so I saw um, 12 movies in total and then one collection of short films. Mm. Some of them I'm not going to talk about because some of them were really just forgettable. But um, the main theme from Toronto this year was dramas about f- um, female pop stars. There there were five films with that, that fit into that very specific subgenre. Ooh. The biggest one was A Star Is Born, which I did not see. I, I I can't believe that. I mean, I'm I'm glad that you didn't get to see it before me because I, I would have found you and killed you. But I, if it were me, I would have killed people to see that film, truly. So see, my rule is with Toronto, um, I don't see anything that's opening, that it will open nationwide mm. during, just because it is... Very, getting tickets for Toronto can be a stressful experience if you buy them in a package, which I always do, yeah. where you have to basically commit to seeing 10 movies. Yeah. And, um, like, so I just, the, the main, the crowds always go for those really big movies like A Star Is Born, and I'm just yeah. like, I'm going to avoid those and see the other smaller films because those don't sell out that quickly. Yeah. So Star Is Born is opening in, like, two weeks, I think, from when we're, when we're recording this. Yep. And the funny thing is, because of the New York Film Festival, I won't be able to see it until, like, a week after it opened, which is killing me inside. But I feel safe in my decision. I have tickets for the Wednesday. I, I had tickets for the Thursday, and then they released Wednesday tickets, and then I bought those too. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, I, I cannot wait to talk about that. Oh, yeah. But I did I did skip A Star Is Born. I will say, just in reading the buzz, you could not go anywhere in Toronto without hearing someone talk about A Star Is Born. Mm-hmm. So I think that bodes well for its chances. People are loving it. Yeah. Yeah, there were four other movies, smaller films, about female pop stars playing at the fest. I saw two, so I'll, ta- I'll start with those. The first is Vox Lux, oh, which yeah. stars um, Natalie Portman. And actually, it got picked up by Neon when I was at the festival, and they just dated it this weekend for December 7th. So it will be part of this year's Oscar buzz, Ooh. which is insane to me because it is a weird movie. Yeah. And I cannot imagine the Academy going for it. Um, to sum up the plot very quickly, it is about this pop star named Celeste who becomes famous when she's 13 because she is the sole survivor of a school um, a school shooting, oh. and she sings a song to sum up her grief at a memorial ceremony. The song gets recorded, it goes viral, and she basically becomes like a teen idol from that point on. The movie is done in two acts. The first act is Celeste as a, t- as a teenager. Um, and then after about an hour, it cuts to the present day, which is the second act. And that's Natalie Portman playing, um, playing Celeste as an adult. And the actress who played 13-year-old Celeste is now playing Natalie Portman's daughter. Oh, and, what? Yeah, it's, it's like, a, like I, the director, Brady Corbett, was there. And he said it was a comment on like this... Um, how life goes in cycles, which I, I, I guess I buy. It is one of those movies <laughs> where your mileage for it will definitely go on how willing you are to read between the lines because it is a movie that throws a lot at you. Mm-hmm. I think people will walk away from it having totally different interpretations of it. The way I see it is because mass acts of violence like school shootings play a big part in the story. I don't want to get more in detail because it, it's spoilers. Yeah. But, um, like... It is very much about how we're living in very violent times and how art, intentionally or unintentionally, is informed by those acts of violence. So that's how I walked away from it. I've seen some reviews with totally different interpretations, which is interesting. 
it is not a great movie, but it is incredibly entertaining, mm-hmm. even when it is disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's There's something very hypnotic about it. The music is so well done in it. Sia did the songs for it. Oh. And I haven't read any articles that interview her about the process, but I have seen reviews that kind of uh, um, agree with my thinking. The songs are all very whatever. And I think that's intentional because I think she's very much trying to play like an average pop star and the songs all feel average except for the the first song, which is the one that gets her to break out and become this like overnight sensation. That song is excellent and I think will probably be a contender for best original song. Um, the rest of them all feel like very generic pop songs. And it's kind of weirdly brilliant because the concert scenes are also very well filmed. They feel like a documentary. I don't know um, how or where they recorded it. It feels like they could have recorded it in like the Barclays Center or something like that. It feels like a real concert movie. I know Natalie Portman did her own singing, but it's heavily auto-tunes, which mm-hmm. matches because it's it's supposed to sound yeah. heavily auto-tunes. Yeah. It's, just, it's a very interesting film. Natalie Portman's amazing. And I really love Natalie Portman. She's very... I think she's the best actress at going over the top. Yeah. So, and I, it, here she goes very over the top. Her performance in uh, Jackie is one of the best things I've ever seen. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's, it's so wonderful, good. and she should have won that year, honestly. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, Jackie's one of my favorites. Yeah. In general, she's so good. Yeah. It's, um, it's, yeah. A, it's a drag performance in a horror movie, essentially. Do you know, it, it, do you know what I mean? So <laughs> I love that movie. She's really good here, too. I'm... I think they could kind of get away with putting her in supporting mm. and maybe getting a nomination because she does she does only show up for the second hour of the film. Right. But it's it's a strange movie, and I really I, I would love to see how it pans out with the award season because I've seen a lot of articles comparing it to I Tanya, which was also a film picked up for the festival Ooh. by Neon, given a December release, won two Oscars. But, like, I, Tanya is pretty conventional, and this movie's not. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I'm curious how it goes. Yeah, I, I'm very excited to see that, because every everything I read after the first couple screenings was, this is weird, but also possibly a masterpiece, you know? Yeah, I don't think it's a masterpiece. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people saying that, and I'm like, oh, like, okay. Yeah. But it's good. Yeah. I'm sure the masterpiece stuff will get toned down when it comes out but everybody but it's still going to get a pretty good audience reception I would hope you know maybe yeah, not a I wide one so. I think people will like, will walk away pretty positive with how, it. how is the little girl in it because she her name is uh, Raffi Cassidy and she was in um, a lot of she's been very good in a lot of stuff like she was in Killing of a Sacred Deer as the, the daughter um, that's where I could not place her that is yeah. okay I was like where was she from yeah and also, like, Tomorrowland as a robot. But she's great yeah. in that movie. <laughs> she, I liked her a lot. I think she really has Natalie Portman's mannerisms down. Mm. And um, they don't look very much alike, but yeah. they, they make it work. Yeah. Um, I also really like Jude Law's in it as oh, right. her um, manager who she has, like, as she grows older, she has, this, like, a quasi-romantic relationship with. Mm-hmm. And... He's really good. Drew Law is an interesting actor because he's, like, he does so few really good movies, but he's always good. <laughs> That's so true. He hasn't done anything good in, like, a decade. Yeah, he's he really good. hasn't. <laughs> I hated that one he did when he was in prison. That was an awful fucking I don't remember that one. What is that? I want to say it was called Dom Hemingway. 
Oh yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, I didn't see Terrible. that. Yeah, it looks bad. Um, but no, he's he's good in this one. He like he does like a very thick Brooklyn accent, and it really works. Okay. And I kind of he plays her manager, and he does it like he's like a mob boss. Yeah. And it's kind. Of, I think he's having a lot of fun. Yeah. He he. I feel like he's in the fun stage of his career. Like you know, Young Pope is just him dicking around. Um, yeah. And a lot of his performances are him dicking around lately. Like, but you're right. He's he is always like. I'm always glad to see him. He's good in everything, even if what he's in is a piece of shit. Yeah, like, I I mean, I don't like the movies that much, but the Sherlock Holmes films he did were kind of fun. He's, he's fun in them. He's so enjoyable in those. As like I, 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 I do like you, though. He also hasn't aged in 10 years, which helps him a lot. Right. So, Only his hairline has has aged. Um, he works, though. He looks good. Yeah, he looks fantastic. I would, I mean, listen, Anna Karenina, he's, he's got a weird appeal. Um, <laughs> to take it back to Kira Knightley. Um, so what was the, oh, the other one is, um, Her Smell, right? Yes, which I was going to say is that film I could see masterpiece arguments being talked for. I have to see it again. Yeah. Um, before I do anything too hyperbolic with it, but I really <laughs> love this movie. Yeah. It might've been my favorite from the festival. There's one other that I liked a lot, which I'll get to in a bit. Um, this one stars Elizabeth Moss. Mm-hmm. As um, a '90s rock star, the front um, the front woman of a punk rock band that is huge in the '90s, but then as time goes on and music tastes change, she becomes a little like less famous. But mm-hmm. she has a really crippling drug problem that is hampering on her ability to perform. And the film is done in this very artful way. I've seen it compared to, to the. Um, Steve Jobs film that Michael Fassbender was in. Oh, um, I, I think that was called Steve Jobs, but I don't. There were I don't remember for sure. It is, I believe, and that's a very good film, except for the ending is a little conventional. Yes. Oh God. But this film, um, it's basically done in five acts, um, five very long scenes. Mm-hmm. Oh. Done primarily in one take. I mean, I, I don't know for sure how much of it was done in one take. There might be some very clever editing, yeah. but there are very long takes at the very least. Yeah. And um, it just chronicles her five very key moments in this woman's career as her drug addiction takes hold of her mm-hmm. and then as she eventually tries to sober up. And this is a movie that I think will definitely be a love it or hate it experience mm-hmm. to, to put people in the mindset of what this film is like. The first forty minutes, the, the the first two major scenes, so about the first forty minutes of the film, are scenes where Elizabeth Moss's character is high, <laughs> and they're also backstage at like a punk festival. Hmm. So in the background, for the entirety of these forty minute scenes, you hear music and like faded, like you hear like things bumping around. Wow. It's very disorienting. Yeah, and it's only a like this bizarre experience and i was seeing this film mm-hmm. after on five hours of sleep because i did not play my schedule very well <laughs> so i was just like what is happening yeah at first but eventually it warmed it like it quiets down and becomes a little darker but also has this heart to it that you don't quite see there at first mm-hmm. it's a very quirky film there's literally one character who is a shaman and um Though a lot of the women who are in different punk rock bands in the film are believe in witchcraft, so they do. There's a lot of like talk of witchcraft, oh. but it all somehow works. Okay. It also has this very large ensemble. Um, 
I think his name is Dan Stevens, the, the one from The Guest of Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yeah, he's, that's Dan Stevens, yeah. Yes, he's very handsome and very good yeah. in this film. Um, he plays her ex-husband. Um, Cara Delvin's in it as, like, this new up-and-comer, up-and-coming rocker. Oh, who, that's, that's, like, perfect casting. <laughs> she is, she's really good in it. So is, um... Dylan Galula, who is from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. She plays Zenphibie, for those who watch it. Oh. And she was also in a very underappreciated indie movie called First Girl I Love. Okay. Um, she plays, like, the, another up-and-coming rock star. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just this really wild and interesting experience. Mm-hmm. I was just so in love with it by the time it ends. It hasn't been picked up for distribution yet, which is a little upsetting. Mm-hmm. But it will be at the New York Film Festival. And if you live in the area, I strongly encourage you to see it. Yeah. I wish I knew how much I would love it before I picked my New York Film Festival tickets because I would have tried to see it again. Yeah. But I have conflict now in that time. Yeah. And it's very upsetting because it's a really good film. Yeah. I, after I'd heard about it, I, I really was like, oh, shit, that sounds great. Also, I, full disclosure, a friend of mine um, who I went to college with uh, worked on it. Um, really? Yeah, and she's real proud of it. Um, and I think she, she hadn't talked about it until... Um, you know, all that buzz happened at the at the festival, and I trust her implicitly. Uh, I have a couple questions about about it. What's I'm trying to feel what it's like, and maybe all of these references are are films you haven't seen, possibly, because um, no one cornered the market on movies about pop stars like our like I did from history. <laughs> um, have you seen The Rose with Bette Midler? I haven't. That's one. Mm-hmm. I've literally rented it three times. Yeah. It's phenomenal, but it's like getting beat up. Um, yeah, I was wondering if it was like that because that's very much the same sort of thing, but it's also like it goes back in time a lot, but it's also about gigs and there's constantly gigs going on. Or, And there was also something earlier this year called um, Nico 1988 that I reviewed for the site that, that did the same. Uh, so, sounds sort of similar what you're, to what you're saying with like, there's constant like music in the background because like a lot of the scenes are at gigs and she's real fucked up all the time, um, and it is really disorienting. And some of it worked for me and some of it didn't. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's I'm very excited to see that. Um, yeah, I've heard comparisons to The Rose. Like I, I haven't yeah. seen it, but I have heard people say like it's yeah. similar in tone. It's just it's a really wild movie. I say make sure you see it on a good night's sleep. But I I think. If you I, I, if you go in knowing that's what what to expect for the first forty minutes, mm-hmm. knowing that eventually it will not be like that, this yeah. is very much trying to get you in the mindset of what it's like to be a drug addicted rock star. Yeah, I think you'll be like audiences will be fine. Yeah. It's, it's so it's so interesting and just so unlike anything I've ever seen before. Exactly. So that's what I look for at film festivals. Yeah. No. I, 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 yeah. I'm sure it helps that like people going into it not from at a festival now will know that it's going to start and be sort of abrasive and. But yeah, I really want to see that. And if honestly, if it's drawing comparisons to The Rose, then that speaks well of it because I love that film. It's, I mean, it's, it's devastating. I'm not kidding about it being a real punch in the gut, but it's, it's really great. Every time I, it's phenomenal. It's, and it's got one of the best performances I've ever seen in it. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta rent it. Everybody should rent that. Um, you know, rent it. You gotta. Everybody should be studying in preparation for their Star Is Born, and that's on the list. Um, as well as all the original Star Is Borns. Um, maybe not the Streisand one, but you should watch it if you have some time. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about all those in a couple weeks. Oh, we will. Yeah. I, listen, I'm, I'm re-watching all of them, so people get ready. 
Everyone see. get hyped for our Star Wars Born episode. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> Technically, <laughs> this is going to be just another Oscar episode, but it's really just a Star Wars Born. It will be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what else did you see? Um, in terms of traditional Oscar movies, mm-hmm. I actually didn't see that many this year because of how my schedule worked out, but I did see The Front Runner, oh. and which stars um, Hugh Jackman as Gary Hart, who, for those who don't know, was at one point of... As the title suggests, the front runner for um, a Democratic nomination, and people, many people thought he would have been our next president, but his career was kind of taken down because it was real. He had an affair, and um, the film ex- really zeroes in on the three weeks with, after that story broke, and um, how it destroyed his career, and it asked a lot of questions about what, like, more, like, do, do candidates have a moral obligation to their to their voters? Um, do journalists have a duty to cover politicians' personal lives? Mm-hmm. And all these different questions. I give the film a lot of credit for not trying to answer those. They really present all the different possible answers mm-hmm. um, and like give them all a time in the spotlight. Yeah. And I also give a lot of credit for not doing that wink face at the camera like, wow, having political scandals gotten so much more crazy because like... <laughs> It's a very tame political scandal when you really look at it, mm-hmm. um, but it's a good movie. I do not think it has any real shot for anything okay. because kind of like this, kind of like the Sisters Brothers. It's a very whatever film. Hugh Jackman's good in it. The entire ensemble's good in it. Actually, Sarah Paxton shows up as the woman who was um, Gary Hart's mistress, Ooh. and she's like very good in her one scene. And I was like. Oh, like Aquamarine, like coming in for a comeback. <laughs> oh man, what a reference! Um, <laughs> that 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 alone makes me want to see that. Um, <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, oh, Ari Grainer's in that. I love her. That's a shame that it's not great. She has a great scene. She has one of the best scenes in the film. Yeah, she steals so just I, about everything yeah. she's in, man. I know she really is wonderful. She she'll break out eventually. Yeah, some someday she's gonna somebody's gonna notice how that she's consistently good she is. Sarah Paxton, that's hilarious. Aquamarine, um, yeah, that sounds it's like an interesting. Film, oh, sorry, what? It's a it's a pretty good film. Yeah, not a home a home runner or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's directed by Jason Reitman, who has Tully this year, which I think is so much better, but has like also mm-hmm. zero chance at an Oscar. Yeah. I give him credit, though, because I don't know how you feel with Jason Reitman's films as a whole. Mm-hmm. I think he really has a like a knack for doing like sad white man movies. And then whenever he does a movie that is outside of that, like mm-hmm. Labor Day or Men, Women, and Children, it's, it's a disaster. <sighs> Labor Day was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. That was a surreal movie. I remember it's sitting in there, I'm like, bad. what? What is happening? I remember huh? I was deconstructing it while I was watching it because I saw it with a couple people. And I was like, there's that little girl character. And I kept being like, time for some exposition slash telling us what the movie's about. Because that's all that character is for is to like tell us stuff and like challenge the character. She's a fucking plot device. It's such a poorly written movie. I went to see that um, the Saturday it opened in mm. the morning, the first show. And I made my brother come with me because I was like, yeah. I, I want to see all the Oscar movies. And I was like, Kate Winslet's getting some Oscar buzz. So I dragged him with me, and we were both miserable. He still holds the grudge to this day. <laughs> and just remember, the only other person in the theater who was this woman who went by herself mm-hmm. down the road from us, well, she was sobbing. Really? Like, like audibly 
saw it, and I was like, am I watching a different movie? Like, this movie's trash. No, my friends and I were audibly making fun of it. Um, Yeah, the thing about Reitman is his his work is so uneven. Like, every time he makes something good, he makes a flaming pile of shit. So if Tully's good, then the frontrunner has to be bad, you know? Yeah, this is this one's in between. It's yeah. not not great, not bad. It's it's fine. It's yeah. like like this is it's fine. Yeah, yeah. That's something I'll see, but I won't be able to talk about because it is about politics. So that's nice. Um, I'm gonna have to leave you to talk about it. About it there you go, everyone. It's fine. Yeah. So if if you like those movies, go see it. If you don't, you you're, you don't have to. Yeah. It's okay. Matt Taylor of the Pop Break says it's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> what uh, what else did you watch? Um, I saw a lot of foreign films, so I okay. can kind of rattle off a little quickly. Yeah. Because um, some of them, I, I actually don't even know when they're coming out in America because distribution is weird. Yeah, screw but it. But I know some of them have Oscar buzz. Yeah, rapid fire it. What the hell? Yeah. I saw Climax, which is the Gaspar Noe right. film, um, which A24 is releasing. They haven't said it released it yet, which is kind of strange, but it will be out this year. This is my first Gaspar Noe film. For those who don't know, he does like these really um, outrageous genre films, like Irreversible. Oh, and, fuck! Uh, That's a rough. Salt. That's a yeah. rough film. Those are not really my cup of tea, but yeah. I heard Climax was the first one he's done, which is somewhat accessible, mm. and it's it's still not my cup of tea. Like yeah. for those who don't know, it is about allegedly a true event, even though I I have not researched it at all. But the film. Uh, it um, portrays it as a true as a true story yeah. about this group of dancers in the 1990s who get together in this remote location during a snowstorm to have a rehearsal. Someone spikes their sangria with LSD, and they all kind of have this mass hallucination together that becomes nightmarish and violent. And the first act of violence in this movie happens about 45 minutes in, and it is so disturbing yeah. and shocking that like the person in front of me walked out and I genuinely thought about walking out, not because the film was bad necessarily, mm-hmm. but just because I was like, I don't know if I want to sit through another yeah. hour of this. Yeah. And I sat it out because I was in the middle of a row and I didn't want I didn't want to inconvenience people. <laughs> yeah. But it it's it's if you don't mind really, really shocking acts of violence yeah. that like you don't typically see in a movie. I'm not talking about like graphic violence or gore. It's yeah. like really dark shit that you don't usually see in mainstream movies. Yeah. Um, if you if you don't if you have the stomach for it, I think you might like it. It is well directed. Yeah. The music's good. The dancings are amazing. Yeah. But it is just not my thing. Yeah. And yeah. His work is really confrontational. I mean, Irreversible is a is a is probably a masterpiece. But and I saw it once, but I'll never watch it again because it's really upsetting and, and he, he he deliberately makes things that are really upsetting um or confrontational or or you know challenging um love is probably the most consumable and it's a 3d um porn film essentially realistically with, with a very loose plot um and it, i saw it in a the theater with 3d glasses because i was like this seems hilarious um and it's it's fine. It, it all of his stuff can be a little messy because he is. It's it's. I don't know if this is this true of climax, but it's often very um, like idea based and sort of philosophical. Like, um, I guess I could spoil irreversible, but well, it, it's it's all at the beginning. Um, like irreversible, there's there's a very horrific rape scene in it. Um, 
in the middle of the movie and it's unbroken like it's unedited so it's just like one shot of a full fucking rape scene it's really bad and right before that that character talks about like um male and female pleasure like right before that scene happens or right after that scene happens but technically the movie is told in reverse um so it technically is right before she's raped so it's it's fucking insane um and his his stuff is really weird and i don't know if this is as confrontational as that but i can't imagine anything is honestly that's the most insane film i've ever seen yeah it's i based on what i've read about irreversible i know i know i don't have the stuff for irreversible so yeah. i just I have not seen it. I, I didn't know what it was uh, when I was going into it, and I probably wouldn't have if I had known. Yeah, I, I am interested in seeing Love mm-hmm. and this other film, Enter the Void, I think? Yeah. Something with a void. Yeah. Um, like, I'm interested in those, but I just, I have not gotten around to them. This film does not sound, I mean, like, as graphic as those, but it's still very graphic. Yeah, so yeah. It's... Proceed with caution. I just know it's like this is not the movie for me, but it is unquestionably very well filmed. And I've heard it has some subtext about like French, the French political system. But truthfully, I do not know enough about the French political system. Yeah, all his. That's the thing is all of his stuff is a big metaphor, but sometimes it's so removed and like I don't know enough about the culture to always say. Um, but yeah, it's shit's rough. Love is fine. It's it's on Netflix if anybody wants to watch it. Actually, it came out on Netflix the same time that that. Netflix series Love came on, and a couple of people got them confused when they were. Wow. Yeah, it was the best thing I'd ever heard. Um, but yeah, no, his stuff's really tough. Um, yeah, on to the other less top foreign films. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw Dogman, which is a big film from Italy this year. It played at Cannes. Yeah. Um, and it will. Um, I, I know it got picked up for distribution, but I haven't heard anything about when it's coming out. It's basically of gangster film from Italy about this very meek um, veterinarian dog groomer who um, is best friends with this gangster in the town and he kind of never has like, the strength to stand up to him and then the gangster wants to like use his business for some illegal activity mm-hmm. and like the, the gangster drama unfolds as you might expect. Um, it's very entertaining. I really liked it. The lead performance, which I believe won an award icon, is fantastic. Not the most memorable movie, but I did really have a, like have a good time with it, and I think like uh, if the foreign film lineup wasn't so incredibly intense this year, mm-hmm. I think it might have had a say uh, or like a shot. But yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's um, definitely one of the ones I've been hearing about in terms of uh, foreign film. You think it'll get nominated at least? I mean, the the Academy, the foreign film nomination process is so confusing. No, you're right. Yeah, where like. You know, for some reason, every country can only submit one film because yeah. America can have nine or ten <laughs> films that are great, but like other, every other country produces exactly one. <laughs> but um, like, and then even then, they whittle them down because God forbid the Academy has to watch films from other countries. But um, like, if if it meets those criteria, I think I think it's a chance. I think gangster films have this like very yeah. likable quality to them, and this is a good one. The lead performance is really phenomenal, and that will definitely help it. And it has a lot of good dogs in it. So, like... Yeah, people love dogs. It's great. Uh, one film that I saw that at Toronto, which does not have distribution yet, and mm-hmm. it's killing me inside, is a movie called Consequences, mm. which is Slovakian, Slo- Slovakian. I should have looked up the pronunciation, to be sure. But <laughs> um, it is a film about a 
boys' detention center. Oh. Uh, and this one boy who gets shoved off there because his parents are just tired of dealing with him and he really is struggling to find his way he's questioning his sexuality which makes things even more complicated because it's very hyper masculine yeah very um violent environment he's he's in and he sort of has this strange relationship with the boy who's sort of the ringleader of all the other ones who's a criminal and they have this quasi romance thing going on as they get deeper and deeper into the crime and to be honest i did not know it was an lgbt film before seeing it i literally only picked the ticket because you have to buy tickets in a package of 10 yeah and i had an open slot where i could fit in a movie and i was like this sounds interesting and i saw that and i was like oh my god it's gay this is amazing (laughs) and um but no it really is a very good movie very well done i've seen a lot of comparisons comparison i can't speak um, like a lot of people are comparing it to um, Rebel Without a Cause. Oh, which I I have not seen that film in a few years, so I can't quite mm. speak to that comparison. Mm. But it is this really great movie. I hope it gets picked up. It touches on something that I do not think enough films deal with, which is an issue in the queer community of balancing masculinity yeah. with um with queerness and this idea that like. You that like in this when you pass as straight to use a term, mm. um, like it's very very it's even harder in a way to be comfortable being queer because no one suspects it of you. Right, you know, right. If, if I'm, if I'm, I don't know how to communicate that very well. No, no, no. I think I, I get what you're saying. It's a it's a beach rat situation. Um, yes, features, and even some elements of Moonlight, I think, explore that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, that's it. Actually, features a... is a very good comparison in the way it like the men are photographed in it. Mm. Like features had this really great cinematography where it's all about the male body, and yeah. this one definitely does that to some degree. Yeah, it's such a it's it's a female director, so there's it's female gaze, but it's also like queer male gaze. It's wonderful. Um, that's a great yeah oh, I think that's a really great uh, devastating too um, yeah. consequences is devastating the ending is definitely very dark mm. um, but it's really just it's a it's an interesting kind of unpredictable ride it's very much a slice of life movie in that when the conflict eventually unfolds mm-hmm. it's not the most dramatic thing yeah like it's not like the whole the lives of everyone involved are, are altered because of this yeah but it's very, it's a very well done personal drama yeah. that I really just loved, and I hope it gets noticed. It is the only film I saw in Toronto mm-hmm. that was not sold out, which is always a bit of a sad sign because mm-hmm. for those who don't, who haven't been to Toronto, everything always sells out eventually. Like the, yeah. the, you were always in a packed theater, and I was kind of bummed that I was like, oh, like there's a lot of empty space, but everyone really loved it in my theater. Okay, it was a very enthusiastic um, response, so I hope it gets picked up. That sounds great. I'm I'm excited to see that. Do you, um, do you know if it has a release date or no? No, I I don't. I I've been keeping an eye on it. Unfortunately, with these smaller films that play in Toronto, yeah, it's like it's hard to find news on it. Yeah, like there are, there have been a couple of films I've seen in my years going to Toronto that I never heard anything about, and then suddenly it's on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, which right. It's always a nice surprise, but it's like, oh wow, like no one noticed. Yeah, like especially a foreign film that could come out in eight months or a year, right. you know. Um, but, yeah, and I'll definitely update. People. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to see that. Um, is is there anything else that you saw, or is that does that cover everything? Um, so very quickly, just 
to go over the last bullets. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw Capernaum, which mm. is going to be like we'll definitely talk about it in December. I think it is like one of the biggest foreign homes of the year. Um, to preview my thoughts, I did not like it very much, but okay. I think it warrants the conversation. Uh, I broke my own rules and saw <laughs> a film that got a nationwide. Oh, it's getting a nationwide opening because I attended the premiere of the new Halloween. Oh yeah, where, right. Yeah, which I think we'll probably end up talking about on a podcast at some point. Yeah. Not for Oscar buzz, but just because it's a big film. Yeah, it, everybody on the site wants to talk about it. You you were into it, though, right? I loved it. I really did. I think it um, it has a lot going on in the subtext, mm-hmm. which made me appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll have a good conversation about that when everyone's gotten to see it. Um, Judy, how she, how, Judy Greer. <laughs> I've just called her Judy like we're friends. Um, how's Judy I wish in it? Friends. Yeah. <laughs> she walked out so like the way the theater works that I saw it at in Toronto mm-hmm. it's like they make the public walk in one door and then whenever it's a world premiere at the next door they have the celebrities walking in down like a makeshift red carpet but we there's a divider like a, a little fence and as I was walking in Judy Greer was walking down the red carpet so we were separated by a little fence but I was like freaking out yeah. seeing her and I was just like I wanted I, I get very starstruck around celebrities and I was like I want to just ask her a picture <laughs> and then I'm like no Matt keep walking don't be don't be, don't be that guy yeah no, but I love Judy Greer oh I'm so glad I'm, I'm like I'm very excited about that just the idea of this like scream queen sort of coming together of like three generations of scream queens all related to the to the um jamie lee curtis character like fighting off michael myers wonderful that's all i want in life and Um, it has a very clear like me too metaphor yeah in it which i think is i've seen some people like kind of shit on it for that but i love it like i think it's like if we can explore real life themes in like a genre lens it's like i'm all especially in a genre that so relies on on women and the and gender politics and and like whether women are sexual or not you know it's it's all about yeah. it's all about that um yeah i can't wait two to last that. really quick bullets yeah um our films that are coming out in 2019 you should definitely keep on your radar mm. one is gloria bell with uh, julianne moore mm. which i really love that one was also one of my very favorites from the festival she plays a divorced woman who re-enters the dating scene and starts dating a divorced father, played by John Totoro. Yeah. And um, it's really wonderful. A24 picked it up, so it's going to be released in 2019. And then I saw Greta, which is this, like, total B-movie starring Chloe Moretz and Isabel Huppert, which is awesome. The Neil Jordan directed He Did the Crying Game, which is a movie I really love. Yeah. And um, he just totally embraced that it's a B-movie, and it takes all these, like, single white female cliches, <laughs> but does them to the most insane degree possible. Yeah. And it is such a wild ride. The audience I was seeing it with was just, like, half of them were into it and clapping with every cliche, and the other half were like, what the hell is what this What the movie? fuck is this? But it is a lot of fun. So those are both coming out in 2019. Probably the spring, since I don't think any of them have really any Oscar chance. They wouldn't hold them for a full year. Yeah. And um, definitely seek them out. That's a shame that they don't, because those both sound very interesting, honestly. Like, good female-driven, um, just like, you know, drama, women's picture type things. And Neil Jordan is always interesting. Like, The Crying Game is his most famous thing, but he, he all of his work is really, uh, everything I've ever seen of him is really good. Like, Mona Lisa is ph- phenomenal. I need to see that one. I do love Continue with the Vampire a lot. Um, yeah. Oh, that's a piece of shit, but uh, that's I forgive him for that. 
it's a wild movie, and I just kind of appreciate it for that. I just, it's so embarrassing for everyone involved. Like, the the drag vampire scenes, I just, I quit. I just quit during the middle of it. I just couldn't handle it. It was like... That really freaked me out when I saw it, like, back in, like, middle school. I was like, what is this movie? Yeah, I didn't see it until, uh, actually, fairly recently, and I was just, I couldn't get on board with it. I was like, this is so fucking dumb. It needs a remake. I would love to see it. Yes. I think they should. I, I can't believe it hasn't been made into a TV show, but she's very protective of her work. Um, she's also become religious, I think. Like, I've heard she's, like, very Christian now. That's a um, twist. That's a big twist. I would have never. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know what to do with that. Um, that's a shame but that both of those aren't going to get, you know, get any uh, Oscar buzz because they'd be really interesting, I would think. I, I just the thing is, I just don't want to wait for them, you know? Yeah, I think Gloria Bell mm-hmm. would have a chance because Julianne Moore is Julianne Moore. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> it's very much a comedy. Yeah. And the Academy has a tough time recognizing why comedic performances are good. Yeah, it's been a long time, time since Tootsie and it feels longer every year. Yeah. I will say, though, Gloria Bell has a scene where Gene Triplehorn shows up oh. and um, smokes marijuana from a vape. And it is the... <laughs> And, like, it is the greatest thing to ever happen in film, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, if that were all I knew about it, I'd buy a ticket. It's it's 100%. Like, people weren't laughing that hard during that scene, and I was like, why aren't we laughing? This is amazing. You're like, this is comedy gold. What's happening? Um, but, yeah, that actually, uh, talking about the Oscar chances, that brings me to the last thing I want to talk about. Where do you think the Oscar race stands right now? Because last time we spoke... You were definitely saying, all right, Black Klansman all the way. Um, do you think... Yeah, now I'm, I'm like, oof. Yeah, like, yeah. like, because we have... Neither of us has seen Star, A Star is Born, but the buzz is so fucking hot for that that I I really... I Like I've, I said before, like, that is a film that will... That has stood the test... That story has stood the test of time. Like, don't count it out for the music categories, but it really sounds like it's got a best picture chance. Yeah, the buzz around it is like kind of nuts yeah like even people who i wouldn't expect to like it the critics that are particularly tough are loving it and i i'm i'm very interested in it like it it's become this thing that is like it's both a meme already because my friends and i literally have a group chat called the star is born appreciation chat (laughs) and we like just send each other any meme we can find on it but also like i think it will be a legitimately great film yeah and lady gaga seems good in it there is a new trailer out now Mm mm-hmm which is a very weird trailer. I don't know if you've seen it um, in theaters. It's like, it feels more like you're watching an extended scene from the film. Yeah. Oh, I have seen that one. It is really weird. Yeah, but I was so taken with their performances. Yeah. And I'm, I was like, wow, like, I think I might genuinely love this movie. She's really strong in that clip. And I'm telling you, the bitch is going to, might win that Best Actress Oscar this year. Like, ev- and this is the thing. Everyone who's ever played that role it has gotten Oscar buzz or an Oscar nomination, and the only re- and like Judy Garland probably should have won that year, but there was it was a tough year. Um, but it's possibly the best thing she's ever done. I, I just rewatched it last night, and it's fucking masterful. Um, and it's it's got one of my favorite, possibly my favorite song in any musical ever. So like it's just a it's a solid piece of narrative um, writing, honestly. Like. The personal stuff it does, and there are some of the, I, I wouldn't call them twists, but the plot points in that movie, and that 
that story and all of them have it in a different way like the uh, the first two are again about the film business and the third one is about the music industry and then this one is also about the music industry um but there are certain plot points that carry through all of them and and i'm assuming this one will do the same and I'll, they're so effective i i rewatched the first two um the janet gainer version from 1937 and the garland version from 54 and there's a scene in it that um, because it's set in a different world can't happen in the, the this one but they can find a way to reproduce it and it I gasp every time and cringe because I know what's coming and it's so dramatically powerful um, it's just a really effective story and I think if if B Coop does it well and you know from that trailer you're right Gaga looks fucking great in it I, I think it's I don't know I think people are going to go fucking wild for that movie I'm so ready for it honestly I'm so upset I love the New York Film Festival one of my favorite times of the year, but I'm like, really? You couldn't have a Star is Born just play at that festival, so I didn't have to like make my schedule around seeing it. So yeah. now I'm gonna have to wait and not see it opening weekend when I want to support it. Yeah. To to beat the venom. Um, I wanted to ask. I know we're both Drag Race fans. You heard that Shangela is in the movie. I did hear that Shangela is in the movie. I can't imagine what she's doing in it. Um, but I can't, I, I'm excited to see what she does. I, you know, Shangela is, is, is on the rise, man. She's, she, I can't believe she's not the lead. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I would watch, like, I would definitely watch a version of A Star is Born with Bradley Cooper and Shangela. I'd watch any version of A Star is Born and I'm, it's well recorded on the record for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I can't wait to see all that. I, I can't, I mean, I can't wait for A Star is Born. I love that story and I, I love, um, it's a great story, and it, and it works for many years, and it's been, like, 40 years since we had one, so it's time, baby. Like, you know, the last one was in 73. We need an updated Star is Born. A star must be born in every generation, and we haven't... The last generation missed out on it. <laughs> no, I, um... It's funny, because I was just thinking that. It's like, wow, Black Clansman... I still think we'll get a Best Picture nomination, mm-hmm. but, like, it really does seem like a Star is Born versus Roma at this point. Yeah, and I'm I'm so excited for both of them. I I will be seeing Roma at New York Festival, so I'm happy I'll be able to see that one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like the Oscar race is interesting. I this is such a good year. Every film is really delivering. Yeah. Um, I kept waiting for one of the big premieres in Toronto or Venice to disappoint, but even ones like Beautiful Boy or Boy Erased, yeah. the boys, the boy movies, the boys, <laughs> the boys. Um, like those reviews are like, oh, like. They're Oscar bait, but they're really good Oscar bait. And yeah. I'm like, I'll take it. Yeah. Like, it's fun. Right. There's nothing wrong with really good Oscar bait. And, and I think the concept of Oscar bait has changed in the last couple of years. I mean, you're not really seeing many period dramas anymore. It's all modern yeah. stuff, but, you know, personal stuff. Um, and we'll talk about uh, NIF next time. That's a New York Film Festival for everyone who maybe doesn't know what that stands for. Um uh, and you and I are going to be seeing the favorite during that, um, and that'll be. that'll be in two two weeks ish because I've got a wedding to go to, um, a be in, um, so I we can't record <laughs> in a while in a little bit. And I will be literally in New York for the next like three weeks, essentially seeing yeah. movies every night. Yeah. And I, I I looked at my schedule this week, and I'm like, wow, like I really just don't like sleep, do I? <laughs> but it's fine. Like it's movies. It's Oscar season. Sleep is for the week. Um. But yeah, no, it's going to be great. We're going to talk about um, NIF next time. I actually am going to be seeing um, Boy Erased um, in press screening and Suspiria in a press screening very soon. 
Um, so yeah, so we're, uh, we're pr- I think at least one of those will be out by the next time we record. I think just maybe Boy Raised. Um, and then I think we're also going to have uh, someone else on who went to Fantastic Fest this year and actually might be see- seeing Suspiria as we record this. Um, the bastard. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, look out for that. Um, I think that covers about everything. Matt, is there anything else you want to add before we sign off? No. Um, just follow me on Twitter, Matt at Matthew One. I will be tweeting about all the movies I see. I'm seeing 17 movies in New York Festival, so Ooh, you can expect quite a few little tweet reviews from me. Yeah, yeah. I I keep up on those. He threads them. They're very good. Um, yeah, and I'm at Marissa Carpico. I'm just going to be seeing stuff and not able to talk about it. But, you know, follow me anyway. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks for chatting with me, Matt. And thanks for listening, everyone.